Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Parramatta Podcast. No boss man, no Hamish in today, so the inmates are running the asylum. I'll be your temporary host, 4020. Joining me to talk all things Parramatta Eels are the boys in Hamish. Uh, yeah, good morning. Oh, wow. I'm not usually first. Yeah, I'm mixing, really I'm mixing things up. I told you the inmates are running the asylum. Uh, and Bertie... Oh, I was going to say, do I get a temporary promotion? But now I'm more like a temporary relegation. So. No, no, you're the headline act. He was the curtain raiser. Yeah. Oh, no. It's back to the bench now. Poor performance oh. last week. In fact, well, at least going to get a run, or am I going to be Makatoa this week? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of getting a run, boys, let's dive right into it with the round one review. Parramatta Eels falling to the Melbourne Storm in that home opener at Combank Stadium, 16-12. to 12. It was a golden point clash here with... Harry Grant scoring the match winner in the 83rd minute. For the Storm, it was also Nick Meany and young Tottenham adding on those four-pointers. Nick Meany, two from three. Sorry, two from two, which means someone... Okay, he must be two from three. No, because he didn't take a shot for the uh, Golden Point one. That is why. He's two from two. There you go. I got there. Uh, two from two. There was a couple of uh, field goals missed by the Storm on Parramatta's side. Will Penasini and Junior Barlow, they had the tries for the ball and gold. Mitch Moses, one from two, unfortunately, a crucial miss to the right of the posts. He did tack on a penalty goal in the fourth minute. Missed a close-range field goal that was uh, charged down, was it, boys, if I recall correctly? Yeah, charged yeah. down. And then he had an absolutely banger of an attempt for a two-point field goal in half-time that just missed the right from 50-plus metres out. That was a hell of a shot, actually. Uh, but, yeah, Eels falling in their season opener. Team stats quickly. Uh, Eels with the better of the possession, 53% in their favour. Time possession plus two and uh, three-quarter minutes sort of in their favour. Uh, both teams completing quite effectively, 80% for the Eels, 79% for the Storm, and then the attacking stats are split. Eels with less run meters but more post-contact meters. They were behind in line breaks but ahead in tackle busts, had a lower average set distance, and crucially, and this is I know we're used to us having a slower play, the ball speed boys, but the Melbourne Storm were almost a full second faster than us, uh, with Ashley Klein allowing them, their visitors to run rampant in the play of the ball there. We had more offloads and were more efficient kicking, but both teams were probably a tick under their defensive metrics that they would have liked at 85.5% roughly for effective tackle rate. The Eels on the right side of 85.5%, the Storm on the wrong side of that just slightly. Uh, so that was, it, it, I suppose, just Just on that tackle efficiency, it's weird that you bring that up. And Well, this would have to be the lowest scoring game of the whole round, wouldn't it? I can't really remember. 13-12 uh, the Panthers and the Broncos would have been the lower scoring one, I think, but this was yeah. close to. But like... For such a low-scoring game, you'd think that the um, the tackle of yeah. would be right up there. But the, the scramble defense no. from the Storm in particular was excellent, but that scramble defense would imply that there's been missed tackles or some sort of break. And for the Parramatta Reels, it's hard to really think because I'm, I suppose just a couple of their players like Munster and Grant were tough to tackle and they sort of make those half Meany had Meany had probably the best game I've ever seen. Yeah, right? Meany did have an outstanding game Yeah, and probably broke a few tackles here and there. Uh, but in terms of the discipline, boys, Melbourne will have one less error than Parramatta. Some way, somehow, the penalties are six apiece, and the ruck infringements and or the combined ruck infringements and inside ten were two apiece, uh, which seems almost impossible to think of. Given at the game, I was bang for blood with some of these non-calls there. Uh, but in particular, those ruck infringements and inside tens were very generous to Melbourne Storm. It feels like. What What was the ruck infringements for the Storm? How many did they get? One uh, infringement. Yeah, no, that's wrong. One inside because ten. Cam- Sorry, go. Two in a row, and he was very close to being sin-binned, but then um, all of a sudden he decided to stop working in the ruck, so um, he didn't get sin-binned, according to Ashley Klein. But I'm not going to bag the referees. 
This early in the podcast, I'm going to do it later in the podcast. I want to want to talk about some other things first. Well, let's get into those other things, boys, because Parramatta, this was a game, regardless of how you feel about Ashley Klein's performance, which I thought was dog shit, but uh, regardless of how you feel about that, it was very much a game they should have or could have won. Um, options before the final 10 minutes, options inside the 10 minutes, options in golden point, and they couldn't quite ice it. Got a little bit gun tri- or, or trigger happy on some of their uh, attacking forays. I know Mike Acevo had a moment where he kicked on the first on an attacking scrum win inside 20. Uh, what what impressed you? What didn't impress you? What sort of did you take out of this game? I'm going to start with the negatives first. You, you mentioned the Mike Acevo. It's on my mind one now. You know, you, you can blame Micah for that, and he shouldn't have kicked that ball, but the ball shouldn't have gotten to Micah. If you watch the replay, the ball is held up in the scrum. It, it pinballs around a little bit in there. So it's already not. It's already clunky. Dylan Brown needs to do what Dylan Brown does best there, dummy, tuck it under his wing, take the tackle. Because he really put a... It's, you know, you don't really see that from Dylan. Usually he's the one that does tuck the ball under the arm and takes the tackle. That time he needed to do it. Because what, 40 metres out, he would have been tackled. A full set um, going by when that was, or when was that? Uh, would have been about 12 minutes ago, I think, or thereabouts, maybe? Yeah, it would have... Probably would have been a bit... Uh, it doesn't really say on the play-by-play. Um, but, yeah, like, critical moment. It would have been 12-all, probably. Maybe even 12-6 at the time. Uh, but that's where, you know, Dylan needed to tuck the ball, take the tackle. Um, the second one I was really disappointed with was our field goal setup. Like, we were too far wide. We were too far to the left. So, like, the, the pass went as wide as it did back whenever you see a field goal set up you need to basically pass directly behind you that that really frustrated me because then that allows you know you can't have a wall anymore you can have a, a staggered wall um but that ball needs to be going directly back and like again mitchell probably you know he's thinking i've got to get this field goal I've got to get this field goal uh he, he's the one that needed to tuck it under there and then we needed there to go Hodgson from dummy half field goal or Gutho or Dylan Brown. We've seen both those players kick one. I think we've seen Josh Hodgson kick one from dummy half. Uh, we've seen those three players kick field goals. Like it's just it's just not percentages. It's like it's it's not winning the moments in this game. And like against the storm and the way they wrestle in the rock and how good their defensive structures are. I say their defensive, how good they are. They they deliberately cheat in the ruck and in this game they were allowed to. Um, so this defensive line is always going to be set. But the fact that they had so many drop balls and everything, like we needed to get those moments because you don't get them against Melbourne. And we, we had a chance to win this game and we didn't. Bertie, what was your takes on this one? Because I think Ham's laid a good platform to start to rip and tear into. Um, look, we we should have won, but I don't think we deserve to win. Like, as you guys mentioned, it, like we'll just trigger happy and we try to score in the second half. We try to score off every play. And, like, well, in the first half, we were a bit patient. We built a bit of pressure. You know, uh, Moses' kicking game was very well. But I just feel as though they sort of, like, they thought, they, they probably thought to themselves, we should be winning by well now with all the possession and, and how are Melbourne still in it? And they probably just got a bit, you know, um, uh, flustered. And then back to the field goal, like, let's be honest, over the past two or three years, how often how often do we win games from a field goal? I can't, probably one or two games. So i put it down to the to the spine where they don't and we very rarely do we practice field goals i think i think we, we practiced one field goal it was against the dragons last year but other than that we hardly have a field goal set so maybe the the boys were a bit flustered but yeah i don't i just don't think we deserve it um <laughs> look 
the forwards did their job. Hopgood, or you know, we're calling him Hoppywood now, but he's legit by the year. He's never he's never leaving this team. We should extend him right now. He literally busted his backside all game. He didn't have a break. And you know, um, we're praising uh, Josh Hodgson with him playing the full game, but like Hopgood, he just brings a different type of attack, a very direct attack. He just runs at the he runs at the defensive line, you know, quickly, and it's just. It's unfortunate that I tried the that ends up selling the game. You know, he was at, he was at marker and he was a bit tired. Like it's just yeah, you know, it's you, you can't only commend this guy. And I can't think of another player after round one where we pretty much the whole fan by whole fan base just loves him and pretty much he's a cult hero essentially. So, but other than that, um, you guys mentioned you know the playable or you know Ashley Klein being shit. Like this is this is a bad image on the NRL because he's the number one referee. He's refereeing the State of Origin games. You know the the, the World Cup final games, and they brought in a new set of rules this year or new interpretations. And if this guy is your number one ref and he doesn't even know the rules or if he gets it wrong, then what does it show about the whole the rest of the referees in the system? What does it say? What does it say to the referee coach? Like, is he bad or is the training? What have they done all off season? So that's my that's my rant about the referees. You know, it's, <laughs> you expect your number one referee to get the job done or get the message clear. But um, other than that, um. I'm a bit upset with the the bench. Like I, we just used the bench wrong, and I and like and like I was last week. I said I was praising us going for four four forward bench. I thought that was the best thing we could do. But in my opinion, if you're not going to use one person for the bench, just chuck a ba- an outside back on there because you got to use them. And if you're not using them, just chuck someone in. And I'd rather if, if it was an outside back. And if Assi's back from injury, put him on the bench because if he doesn't play, I don't care. But Makatoa's there, and he can even offer us ten minutes. Give give Hopgood a ten minute break if you want to. But if you're not going to offer him anything, just chuck anyone on there. But yeah, other than that, that's my rant for the game. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think you raised a good point about the starting forwards, but I thought they were all to a man, either very good or outstanding. Junior and Reg both going for pretty much 200 apiece uh, with good minutes and, and good numbers supporting those. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Jermaine. He was outstanding. His flexibility to be able to play late at the line or plant that foot and drive through and accelerate was fantastic. We've got to see him be the link man, a number of really cool structures to the left in particular. Uh, Matt Dury, I thought, was very good, did some great defensive work uh, covering to the outside. He um he dislodged a ball through a massive yeah, tackle in the, just, in the uh, first like, half. I, I, I say cannonball tackle in the right way, not the wrong way, where he, he launched himself like a cannonball. Him. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't one of those prowler tackles launching their legs. He just came in and blasted whoever it was. Really strong tackle. Uh, and probably the real revelation out of this one, boys, I thought Bryce Cartwright was sensational. Played the full uh, full game plus the bonus minutes on the uh, left edge in Golden Point. And outside of, uh, I think there was a play down the left edge in the second half where he essentially forced the ball in a pretty rough circumstance. And he, I think he might have lost the ball. I thought he played really good football. So well done to Bryce. It, it, was, it was huge from Bryce. Like, um, you know, I, th- I think we mentioned it last week. It was his, his audition to be in the team. Like, yeah. Other than that one, and I think there was a, a, an offload in the first half where we all got offload happy. And oh, there was a turn, turnover. There was a turnover that led to a string of offloads where we got very yeah offload happy. Yeah. yeah, outside of those two moments, like he tucked the ball. It shows with his meters, 153. When was the last time you saw Bryce Cartwright make 153 meters in a game? Mm-hmm. Probably a reserve grade. Yes, that's probably a fair call. And then defensively, he had 28 tackles, one missed, three ineffective. Uh, and an intercept, apparently. There must be one of those turnovers there. Uh, uh, when months... Oh, no, that was Hodgson that got that ball. Yeah, Hodgson got that one down that side. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
Uh, but yeah, am very. I, am I am I a bad fan? I didn't notice him. Like, is it like can that be a positive? Like, I know yeah, NFL, that, that can that can absolutely be a positive. Yeah, if someone's doing their job, you don't always notice them. Yeah, and that was Bryce, yeah. I think, in this game. And like there was no bad tackles or bad defensive yep. reads or and that, no that's, bad offloads. That and the the you know the crazy offloads, good or bad, is what you really associate with Bryce. But in this game, he went back to the fundamentals, and it really showed in the numbers. And then if you go back and watch the tape, how how solid he was. So the starting pack, outstanding. I thought Jack Murchie was pretty good off the bench. He had a couple of uh, – he didn't have any errors, but a couple of bobbles early on, uh, but got 13 carries, 116 metres, did a good job there. But um, I saw it was uh, Rugby League Eye Test on Twitter. also has a, uh, a website you can go and check out. I, I believe Murchie was one of the ones that got uh, his top 10 high involvement yeah. rate for the weekend. That that'd make sense. So uh, he was making like – um, he was involved in 30% of all the plays he was on the field. So, you know, that's what that's what you want from a bench player. You want them to come on and just, you know, that they might look a little bit tired, but that's because they're trying so hard. It's the same as Spencer Lenu. Like, he only yeah, plays... that raise the tempo when they come on. He only, Spencer Lenu only plays 20, 25 minutes, but in that time, he's doing, like... That's that's what I want to see from Murchie. That's what I want to see from uh, Wirimu. I think Wirimu had a high run percentage. He, he covered something like twenty five percent of the runs that were on the field. He took in the, you know only sixteen minutes, but you want those sixteen minutes to be productive. Well, Murchie's Murchie's involvement rate is really a credit to his effort then because he played nearly a full half of football, thirty seven minutes, and you're saying that he had a thirty percent involvement rate, uh, thirty tackles, one miss, zero ineffective. So outstanding defensive numbers there too. So good, good carb, uh, carb debut for Jack there, and hopefully we can start to see his role continue to blossom in the coming weeks and months. But yeah, forwards, excellent. The halves, not so much, boys. I mean, I thought Mitch was a bit substandard. That miss uh, penalty, a miss penalty, miss goal conversion, obviously proving costly, but he probably didn't seize the opportunity as much he would have liked to that he would otherwise do in these games. But on the flip side, I don't think you can describe Dill's game as anything but a Barry Crocker. That might have been one of the single worst games I've seen Dill play. And for a player we hold in such high regard, it's always frustrating to see that happen. But he just, I don't know, there, there was some cold drops. There was a forward pass, which was, you know, probably just forwards to Mike Asiv. That would have been a, a try. But yeah, just some really poor involvements from Dill, including what was in ultimately the costly turnover uh, in Golden Point when he stuck his hands out for Mitch's pass and didn't didn't try and catch it, it looked like. Yeah, I, that, that last one, I... I blame you know I'm not I don't blame anyone for I think that was Mitch's pass it was sort of a long looping sort of no spin on the ball it just sort of floated in the air I'm not I'm not going to put the onus on Dylan to to catch that one um, but yeah Dylan you know it, against Melbourne it's very hard it would be very hard as a halfback to get into the game because you're constantly seeing a set defensive line so you know Dylan and Moses they're two things that are like using their footwork to get isolated defenders. There's no isolated defenders. It's very rare that you get an isolated defender in the in the storm defensive line. So you're turning forwards back under, you're, you're waiting for the ball. you got to do, like, it, it's not the sort of game, especially round one, that you want to be in as a halfback. I imagine you just sort of, because you, you've got to let everyone else do the work for you. And, you, you know, if you do see that opportunity, you have to take it. But it's very rare that you get an opportunity round one against the Melbourne Storm. So, and the other thing to consider is that we did give Bryce his dues there, but he does he being Dylan has a very strong working relationship with Sean Lane, uh, and that's been going on for a couple of years there, uh, now. And the absence of Lane would no doubt impact Dill to some degree, um, which is something he's going to have to have, obviously have to deal with 
given that Wayne's out for another five, six weeks optimistically. Uh, but, yeah. Just, but it's, it's the one, like, I think it was the first attacking set or one of the first attacking sets. Dylan just dropped the ball cold. Yeah, he dropped that, that, that was the one that really stuck out to me. And then there was a forced flick pass uh, that went straight into a defender and resulted in a turnover. You know, he just he didn't play for his usual, uh, you know, calmness. Or not even calmness, but Dill just plays at a certain speed for himself. And we didn't really see that against Melbourne. And you're right about, you know, Dill obviously being a very opportunistic attacker against defences that get a bit fractured. We've also seen him be effective against Melbourne on the goal line if he's strength and footwork. And I, I don't know if it's just because we didn't go to him in those opportunities or, you know, just it didn't play out that way, but he didn't really get the feature in that regard. So, yeah, obviously a poor game from Dill. And I think a pretty ordinary game from Mitch too. Uh, Guffo had some good numbers, but we didn't get to see him be hugely effective. I think he had a couple of half breaks where he just that, – that was probably the story of the middle exchanges where we had opportunities we just couldn't quite turn him into full breaks. Uh, so, you know, three – the three core members of the spine there outside of Josh Hodgson or, you know, not having the best of games. And then Hodjo himself was probably mired down in, in those ruck interpretations too, where he couldn't exert his influence on the game as much as he would have liked. Although he did have a nice little forced line dropout early in the piece. We didn't have many attacking sets. When you look at it, like we had the Hodgson one that led to a line dropout. Um, we had uh, the one that Siva kicks on the last, no, sorry, on the first from the scrum. So I don't, we didn't see many compared to the Storm who were targeting Xavier Coates quite a bit. But like in saying that, I might be like watching a different game. But I, I thought I found all four halves were were, were average. Like besides yeah. the months to try assist um after halftime, yeah, they were all average. Spectacular the was dummy pass. Yeah. Yeah, the difference was Harry Grant. Like Harry Grant is a runner. He's a runner first pass and a pass second. And I'm not shitting on Hodgson. Hodgson's perfect for this team. But that was a difference. Harry Grant looks to run. Hodgson. He passes first, and that was, in my opinion, that was a difference because there was a couple of times where Hot, um, where Grant would dart out at half, create some space, because our market defense once again is just average. Like we we start we we do all right on tackles one, two, or three, but it's just one tackle and it's and that always breaks open. You know, the, we we the don't we don't wrestle, we don't wrestle like yeah. those the other top teams because we try and limit the impact of penalties, and that's that is unfortunately one of the payoffs is that you can get opened up by strong dummy half runners. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Dylan Brown, he has one of those errors in his game. It's, you know, it's, it's a concentration error. Like, he see, it's either he sees the ball late or he's it's, – it's, it's really a concentration error. And, you know, he has it early in the game and he usually recovers. And it's just unfortunate he had one early and he had one at the crucial stage. So, other than that, he's just got to cut that out. And maybe that's a bit of maturity. Maybe he's not used to seeing the ball early on. Maybe because he assumes the ball's going to Moses' way and he just gets fed whatever. But he needs to cut it out of his game. I just, I just want to speak about dummy half running there. Gutho gets in the dummy half. Mate, you need to develop a pass every time you got into the dummy half. The markers realised he was going to run, and he's got smashed pretty much every time. He needs to, you know, if he's going to jump in the dummy half, needs to learn to pass in that in those instances. Yeah, it's something a good team like the Melbourne Storm key into on their video previews, obviously. And uh... oh, I just I brought up pre-pod. Uh, I just want to bring up a two to five. I'm excluding Will Penasini in this because I thought he did a good job. The numbers aren't there quite, but with his 15-minute HIA, I, I, I think he would have got up to 15, 16 runs. Mike Acevo, 13 runs, 97 metres. Wanga Blake, 16 runs, 103 metres. Lumi Lumi, it, it's it's whatever because he's our fifth or sixth choice winger, so it's not his fault on this occasion. But Sevo, mate, you're big and you're quick. Like, he's quick. He's quick over that 20-metre distance. 
how can you, as a player of the size of Sivo, not be making ten meters a run on the on the, on these runs? Same with Wanga Wanga Blake. I noticed on the weekend had a case of the Penny Terrapos where really quick into the line, as soon as he got to the line, he'd lose all momentum and just drop to the ground and not even get a quick play of the ball. Just like sixteen runs, one hundred and three meters as a as a big, tall, fast back. Like we really need some help from these backs because Reg Reg Junior and Hopgood made more meters than our back five combined. Than our yeah, two, three, four, five. We don't scoot our dummy half. We like everyone knows. Like you look at it, on tackle one, it's uh, the half. One of the halfbacks, uh, one of the halves, go in and pass it to the winger. Get get uh, Sivo from dummy half, and you know throw a bit of unpredictability out there because the markers know he's not going to run from dummy half. The markers know he, the he, the the person's getting the ball straight from the you know the pass. So whether it's him, whether like you look at Joey Manu, like and I know we're not our backs are not built like them, but Joey Manu goes sniffing. He run. He you know, he doesn't want having a crack. But look, go look at every other team. There's always their wingers scoot from dummy half, and we don't do any of that. And I just... But I even like... I, I couldn't tell you the last time Brian Toto ran from dummy half. Mm. But it's it's an attitude... Like, to make those rucking meters, it's an attitude. Penasini has it. Penasini's got this attitude where you need to fight, you need to make sure that you're pushing through those two and three defenders. It's going to be a gang tackle, but you're going to push through so that you can meet your forwards on the 40-meter line. You don't you don't want them to come back to you on the 30 or the 20. You want to meet them at the 40. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, an, it's an attitude. And uh, I think that probably wraps up most of the discourse from this game, boys. I suppose the other thing to talk about is the uh, revolutionary overhaul to the Dally M's. We have two judges this year giving out 3-2-1s, which means... Harry, Twice as much to fuck up. Yeah, pretty much. Harry Grant scores six points out of this. Uh... And to be, I don't know. I know Bertie said he carved this up, but I really feel like his biggest biggest involvement was the game-winning try, which I know is a huge one. But he had, I think, 70 metres in that game. I don't know. Well, he, he helped set up that first try um, for Meany. He, 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 he pretty much had the hockey assist, but but I noticed every time he ran the ball, he was making at least 10, 10 yards every time. And, yeah, that's that's why I thought the difference was. I know, but in the end, it was 70 metres. Just It feels like there were players... Yeah. If, Close to equal impact, maybe, but Munster picked up two points, many two points. Josh Hodgson, one point, Junior Barlow, one point. So, some way, somehow, uh, neither Reg nor uh, uh, Jermaine feature in the points here, uh, with uh, Melbourne Storm cannibalizing most of the points in a very close victory. So, there you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm over the Dally yeah. it's, it's It's a flawed system. The, the best way, and I the best way is if your your own player of the year make up one for yourself. Make up, you know, just at home. Keep keep your tally of however you want to do it, and I guarantee you it will be a thousand times better than whatever they bring up for the Dalian because it's it's dumb, it's outdated, and I don't know how they'll fix it. They probably don't need to fix it because you know it's it is what it is. But you know, it, I, I'm over Dalians. I reckon the coach, coaches should give three, two, one on the opposition team because they will obviously see the game. So like the Storm coach will rate who are our three best players because they do it in the basketball. I believe in the NBA and the NBL, but I feel as though that could be uh, something better. Then you don't need a Dally M judge; you just have that, or you do the referees. But that's what they do in oh, AFL. Let's not knock the referees more responsibilities, boys. No, please don't. <laughs> All right, moving on to the other senior grades this week, and it wasn't. Oh, sorry, a- just, just before we go on. Um, uh, for Thursday night, Ashley Klein would have given Cameron Smith and Billy Slater six points. True. Very Bo-bo. true. But uh, let's move on to the uh, doubleheader that was out at Kellyville Park. 
not a good week for the Eels in the senior football. Boys going 0 from 3. Uh, starting now with the Jersey Flag, which was a tight loss to the Canberra Raiders, 20-14. to 14. Uh, For the Raiders, it was Tane Kiriona, Utuloa Asamua, Josh Billing and Princeton Acera scoring. Noah Ryan going 2-4 from four off the tee and also missing a penalty goal. For the Eels, Bo Newland, Jacob Davis and Lene Federica scoring. Tororo Williams, 1-3 from three off the tee. So they actually had a chance to, even though they scored one less try, had a chance to lock it up here, uh, if not for goal-kicking. Uh, I believe this is a game where I, I didn't get out to see this one, Ham, and I don't think you did either. No, based on feedback for both games, they were fairly scrappy affairs with the Eels having plenty of opportunities to win both games and unfortunately getting off to a losing start in their seasons here. Yeah, well, with that Jersey Flex club, with, you know, a lot of new players, it's sort of expected. Uh, I, actually, I'm surprised how close it was. I don't know much about the, the Canberra teams, um, I have heard of a couple of their players, but they've, they've, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, they've been pretty solid the last couple of years. So yeah. they're, they're always in, um, in a contest in a given week. So you know, good for Parramatta to be so close. Uh, but that that Jersey Flag team, I mean, there's so many new newcomers, and I, I think once CSG ball finishes, a lot of them promotions coming will be, in, yeah, will be promoted. And for the reserve grade, with you know a fair few out in first grade, plus a few. Um, Plus a few out from the reserve grade team, like, you know, once Simonson, Dunster, Sean Russell, Arcee, once those players come back, all the all the no-names from this team will be pushed back down and they'll be much better. Yeah, and in this game, Canberra Raiders prevailing 16-10. to 10. Elijah Anderson bagging a double for the Green Machine. Clay Webb also scoring. Jared Croker, who's still running around in Reggie's, obviously, two from three. Joshua McKinnick and Zach Sini scoring for the Eels. Uh, Joshua, obviously, a pretty pretty major depth option there in the uh, back line, given that we had Isaac Lumi Lumi playing NRL as what we built, like fifth or sixth string Wiggerham, and then uh, Rankin going one from two off the tee. Matt Komalafi got Simbin in the 79th minute of this game, and uh, from what I recall, uh, the Eels did have a chance to potentially level the scores at the death. I think Jaden Yates went very close to either scoring or setting up a try, but it wasn't to be. Uh, and again, this Canberra Raiders team, they're not chump change. They've got some decent players in there. Croker, Valame, Schiller, Schneider, Wolford, Mooney, uh, a different Lock and Lewis apparently. Uh, so that, but they've got some you know serious NRL experience in there. No shame to lose to them first up, but it'll be one of those games that'll go down as what if we'd done it a little bit differently here or there? What if we held onto the ball? What if we you know finished a little bit more polish? But unfortunately they didn't, so they start the season 0-1. But like you said, Han, this is a team that's going to get bolstered very quickly, uh, particularly in the back line as players come back or filter back from the injury ward or suspension, um, which will help them in a big way. But yeah, it sucks to go 0 from 3 in the three major grades, or well, 3 of the 4 because the NRLW is not playing right now, obviously, but to go 0 from 3 in those three senior male grades. Let's uh, hopefully go better next week, but let's move on to the junior reps in the meantime, uh, where we had a little bit more success. Didn't quite bag the uh, the free Pete again, but we did have very good wins in the Tasha Gale and the Harold Matt, starting with the ladies in the Gale Eels 26 defeated the Raiders 12 tries to Alicia Bell with a double. Uh, Khaleesi Mahe and Debbie Dwahi also scoring Bell, banging over five conversions. Uh, Tasha Gale in this game. Ham, I don't know if you caught this one. I can't remember what you said to me about uh, catching the, the, the junior reps, but I thought the girls were very good in this game. Barring a couple of errors after points, uh, they did a fantastic job on both sides of the ball. And the only real player from the Canberra team that troubled them was their fullback, who looked to be a pretty classy player. But they defended strongly, 
has some great structured sets, and uh, we re- we're really starting to see some of these core players. Uh, Talara Bamblett being back was huge here, but Bamblett, uh, Duahi, Alicia Bell and in the backs, and then in the forwards, you've got uh, ladies like Mahe, uh, Black, and a couple others that are doing a really good job. And the one you pointed out the other week, Bella Sanford, I thought she had some really nice touches again. Hello? Oh, sorry, I'd buy my off. I thought I was talking. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Big pregnant pause um, there. I, I, I've got to be honest, I was out at um, Parkley Markets while this game was on, so I um, I missed this one. I was only able to catch the Harold Matthews this week. There you go. So, yeah, but the, the goals were very impressive in this win. Um, I think the Raiders, were they undefeated in this one? Or was it, no, that was in the Harold Matts, I believe. No, that was uh, both Harold Matthews and, and SG, Ball. SG Ball. Yeah, I think, they were in, I think they occupied fourth spot maybe. Yeah, they, they, were, they were high up. Yeah, they, they were in a very solid position, and this was why it was such an important game because it was 4v6 on the ladder of the Eels just clinging to the top six. But uh, I think they consolidated position inside the top four at the back of that. And, yeah, this this is the team that really – there's some eerily similar energy from last year, Ham, where started up for first up tough loss against the Indigenous Academy Roosters, who were once again the real the real class of this competition. Uh, and then obviously there was a draw that wasn't there last year, but they've been building nicely week to week. They've battled through some uh, tough breaks in terms of injuries of Talara Bamboo getting sidelined for a couple of weeks. I think Debbie Dwahi's been fantastic uh, in her deputising her from fullback to halfback and is now back in the number one, obviously, with Bamboo back and, and Corfon doing a good job in the number six there. So they've rolled with the punches and they're really starting to build nicely. So good to see that. Uh, and they'll have the – sorry, it's the SG – well, Harold Matz at the week off. So, yeah, the, they'll play next week at Cabra, which brings us to the Harold Matz who posted a win of their own. Eels 24 over the Raiders 6. Ocean Vivella, probably player of the match here, bagged a big-time double. Junior Fungalele scored an electric individual try. Aiden Gaborian also touching down. Dom Ferruja banging over all four conversions. Uh, looking like a bit of a sharpshooter off the tee these days, Dom. He, is, he absolutely bangs that ball too. Uh, Raiders scoring the lone try. Defense really the big story here, Ham. They defended their goal line ferociously. Uh, to keep the Raiders just one try. Uh, and on the flip side, I think Ocean Vivella had two critical tries, I think, to open and finish the game or, or open and seal the game. Uh, he was huge in this contest. Yeah, it was a it was a good, strong game. I had some um, non-EEL supporters watching the live stream as well. Uh, they were impressed by what they saw. They said, oh, this, you know, they said, if this team could hold the ball, <laughs> that'd be a very good team. I said, I've been saying that for weeks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've been they, saying that since they, the trial. They've literally been their own worst enemies in terms of like the opposition they've been facing. It's just that mentally they're their own own worst enemy. So when they hold onto the ball, even if they're not the biggest team in the forwards, they've obviously got plenty of robust, aggressive guys in there that aren't necessarily monsters compared to some of the other teams. But when they hold onto the ball, they're incredibly effective. They've got a, a, a dynamic forward pack. They've got some halves that really seize on the momentum and some backs that will, if you give them half a chance they'll uh, pay you back very quickly. Um, I believe it was in the second half, about halfway through, they defended probably about six non-continuous sets on their line yep. or yeah. in their half. Very, very long period of play for Canberra with the ball in plus attacking position. And, they and just then uh, we got a penalty, went up the field, and that's when Ocean scored. And yep. that, that, was, that really impressed me because, you know, um, one thing is if you make an error, you've got to defend the error. That's what this team did, and you know, I suppose because they've had a lot of practice at it. But yeah, Ocean continues to be very impressive in his uh, sort of debut season as an eel ham. Real shades of Sam Tuivati here because I believe he's a year young in this grade, and it's kind of hard to believe he's dominating as much as he is. 
There's no way he's a year younger. Yeah, well, that's what we said about Sam when we first saw him in the Harold Madsen. It turns out he was. Uh, some of these guys are built different. So he's doing some really, really good work. And obviously he's not on his own alone there. Uh, the, the team is starting to really come together, forwards, spine and backs. And hopefully they continue to build on this and hopefully the buy lets them recharge and recuperate uh, rather than costing them momentum. Moving on to the lone defeat of the day. This is the top of the table clash between the two of the three undefeated teams heading into round four uh, with the Raiders running over the Eels in the second half, 42 to 18. Cody Parry continued his try scoring streak. He was joined by Sam Tuovati and Patrick Spence. Sanders kicking three goals. Yeah, and this was a close game until it wasn't Ham. Uh, the Eels, we talked about being your own worst enemy. They coughed up the ball, I think, every time after they scored a try. And the Raiders made them pay. And yeah, just some lax goal line defense allowed the fullback Chevy Stewart to bag a, a late hat trick. And it was a really, really, really good game until it wasn't. And yeah, it's just one of those ones. We saw some good moments from guys like Parry and Sam Tuavati and whatnot, and then the team sort of just fell apart. And why we haven't really seen this season because they've been such strong finishes in the back end of games. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I, I was I kept up along with this one on um, through the match centre, and when I saw it was eighteen all, I thought, oh, you know, we've got a game on our hands here. And then from there, it was just it try, was a blowout. Try, try, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I have to go. I have to go by you that does a lot of drop ball. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think sometimes when you, you're cruising through, you, you learn more from a loss than you do a win. Yeah, yeah. And I think this one could be, you know, uh, th- th- these two teams could meet each other later. We'll probably meet each other later on um, in the postseason. So, um, you know, I th- uh, Parramatta have a couple of easy games, a couple of you know, two strong games, two easy games coming up. So they should make the finals. Um, obviously, Canberra undefeated will make the finals. It just depends where they finish. Um, it, it could it could have even been a precursor to the grand final. Yes, indeedy. And that wraps up the review section of the podcast. Let's quickly jump into the news. And it's mostly a no-news week for the Parramatta Eels. Nothing's changed on the Mitchell Moses front in terms of his re-signing. He did have a dig at the media because all they want to do is talk contract and not talk football. Uh, so that was probably the highlight of his presser earlier <laughs> in the week. Uh, we do have an injury update, which I believe... It's pretty much no news. Uh, Sean Lane, jaw, Dejan Arcee, knee, Nathan Brown, hamstring, remain nebulously unavailable with no uh, official timeline, although we know that Lane was six or seven weeks from surgery was the outlook. And Dejan Arcee, well, I'm not really sure. We haven't heard anything about his knee. We just seen him in that uh, moon boot slash uh, leg brace. Uh, we do have Sean Russell returning uh, from a, a suspension uh, for a hip drop tackle in the New South Wales Cup final series. And then in terms of general NRL news, uh, I mean, Spencer Lenu confirmed to be going to the Roosters. Uh, we got uh, the love bug going to the Dolphins. That's uh, Herbie Farnworth. Uh, missing any other major NRL signings, boys? Oh, Joseph Swali'i re-signs on a questionably low-value deal. a shock move. Uh, with the Roosters, despite another top-tier club in the, uh, the Rabbitohs offering, apparently in the vicinity of multiple six figures more a year uh, across the course of the contract. He turned them down to stay with the Roosters. So there's that. And also there was the bit of debacle from the Lenu signing where <laughs> leaving the back-to-back reigning premiers, he highlighted the reason for the move as joining the essentially the premier club in the competition or the best club in the competition uh, when he's already at the club that's won the title for the last two years. So 
I mean, there must be something. I just, I just wish these players would come out and say, yep, it's I'm taking the money. the money. Yeah, exactly. Be, be, I mean, taking the money and going to a good club still. Like, it's not like there's any shame yeah. in playing for the Roosters in terms of final aspirations. But, yeah. Uh, and I suppose uh, in terms of historic stuff, uh, the Roosters have been, unfortunately, uh, the first team to lose to the Dolphins as they got ambushed up there and, and end up losing quite comfortably. Yeah, Roosters aren't very good. I think they lost to the Knights last year in round one, the Roosters. Yeah, they've been slow starters, haven't they? Yeah, so you know, as much as everyone wanted to paint it as a shock, if you looked at the if you looked at the numbers and the historical evidence, it wasn't a shock. Mm-hmm. As, as much as people think it was. And uh, yeah, any any news I'm missing, boys? Nah, get into it. No, okay. Let's switch over to the preview part of the podcast, starting with the junior reps and the Jersey flag. Technically, this week, uh, no Harold Matthews, but instead the Jersey flag gets married up with the junior reps out at Cabramatta New Era Stadium on Saturday. So we look at the SG Ball Cup. No, at the Tasha Gale Cup, which is they've got it in reverse chronological order. Uh, so in the Tasha Gale, it starts at 10 o'clock a.m. Eels hosting the Sharks out at Cabra. Got Debbie Dwahi at fullback. Uh, Lola Vave and Haley Bell on the flanks. Alicia Bell and Lindsay Tui in the centres. Got Charlotte Cawthorn and Talara Bambut working at six and seven, respectively. Layla Dimmick and Khaleesi Mahe, part of a formidable front row pairing there. With Ashley Pottinger, the other co-captain at dummy half. Layla Black, Bella Sanford, and Kayana Lakenny round out the forward pack as the back rowers. On the bench, you've got Kanye Maramulu, Casey Q, the dummy half, Mele Akawala Lalu, and Sarah Polo, Poloali. Sorry, Sarah. Uh, as the bench, and then Caitlin Pearden and Aaliyah Ganum as the reserves. Now, what does this mean for the ladder here quickly in terms of where we're placing? Give me one sec, boys. Sorry, being nice and organized here. If I just jump on to the Tasha Gale, Eels enter the round in fifth, Sharks in eighth. Uh, Eels do have a two-win buffer on the Sharks right now, uh, but obviously you don't want to be dropping any games from this point onwards, Ham, because everything counts so heavily towards a finals finish. Uh, but the way they've been playing, you'd like to think the girls go on and get the job done here. They've been building nicely across the last couple of weeks. Yeah, a nice return to um, Cabramatta. Um, sure, Alicia will have a kick and boots on. Having Talara Bamblett, I think she's... She's destined for greater things, as are a lot of these uh, young women in this team. So, um, yeah, she should be able to get the job done mm. in this one. Yeah, fair call. Moving on to the SG Ball. Obviously, Harold Matthews getting the week off, as I've had mentioned before, but they've got Arpa Twidal at fullback. On the wing is Kanan Hardiman and Muhammad al In the centres, Pat Spence continues to work in relief of the injured Penasini, uh, Richard Penasini, that is. He'll partner Devontae Vivella, Ocean's older brother, in the centres there. Halves unchanged, Ethan Sanders, Josh Lynn in the front row. Sam Torvardi, Lance Fulima recourt into the starting team where he'll work with Matt Arthur at dummy half. Don Mastratus, Will Lewis and Saxon Pryke at lock forward. So that's how they've reshuffled that front row ham, pushing Pryke to lock and bringing Lance in. And probably their strongest configuration of middle forwards in terms of uh, talent and uh, all other things there. On the bench, Rafter Stratus, Sebastian Piacula, Piacala, sorry, LeBron Tuala and Kobe Herford getting his first run of the season, I believe. Sam Squire, the 18th player, uh, taking on a Cronulla team. That if I quickly check the ladder here, uh, very similar. So it's it's five v eight in the Gale, it's four v seven in the uh, SG Ball, but they are just the one win behind the Eels here. So it's it's a very congested top five to or even like top seven here, uh, with the Raiders undefeated, the only undefeated team as it stands now, uh, with uh, I believe Penrith also falling last week. Uh, but, yeah, there's not much se- uh, separating these teams, so you want to keep winning here. Yeah, that's right. Um, just had a quick look at the 
Sharks draw because that is so important in these limited rounds. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've beaten or they've been defeated by both the Bears and the Sydney Roosters. So that's two of their losses there, both teams that we have uh, put away. And then the teams that they have beaten are the Balmain Tigers, the Melbourne Storm, and the Rabbitohs, who are all bottom of the ladder. So on paper, the Eels been trending better, which also yes, explains Yes, Storm the- are dead last. Rabbitohs are second dead last, only by four and against. And the Balmain Tigers are one, two, three, four, five, six from the bottom. There you go. So, um, you know, Parramatta haven't had, you know, they played uh, Canberra, the Roosters are the, the, in the, the eighth there. Uh, so, you know, still some formidable teams. And we know that the Sharks are always... Um, Always a, a tough, tough out in these ones. Yeah, exactly. Which and, you know, just... you got a few last names recognised. There a Penatani on the wing. Um, and, a, of course, there's another Brayley um, <laughs> at, at number nine. Like cockroaches <laughs> out there. <laughs> uh, which brings us to the final game of the free game stand at Cabro. And it's not the junior reps. It's the Jersey Flake. A 1 o'clock p.m. kickoff. Eels hosting the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, one, well, Cronulla Sharks currently sit on top of the ladder after the one round. With the biggest points differential win of plus eighteen in round one, Eels sitting entering the round in ninth, uh, which you know doesn't mean much in the big context after one week. But there are a couple of changes here this week: Alpha Miller Stephen at fullback, Lene Federica, and Matthew Komalafi, who drops back to this grade with reinforcements in the New South Wales Cup arriving. They'll be on the flanks: Ned Hicks and Terrell Williams in the centres, Mac Pufisi, Riley Wacker in the halves, front row: Noah Reed, Jonte Junior, Beth and Mies are the bookends, Nicholas Lenars the dummy half. Jock Brazel captains the team on the edge with Max Tupo on the other flank. Brock Parker will be locked forward. On the interchange, Jacob Davis is the utility dummy half. Lachlan Mears Krabs comes in or Krabs, sorry, comes in to the bench after being the reserve last week, where he'll be joined by Nick Al Raffle and another new recruit, Tyson Chase. Bo Nuance drops from starting wing to 18th player with the arrival of Matthew Komalafi. And yeah, they're taking on the Sharks. One o'clock PM boys. Uh, yeah, with our boys, it's really hard to gauge what to expect out of his team, Ham. Uh, a lot of players we don't really know. And some players, it feels like maybe uh, on a hot seat with the SG ball guys breathing down their neck later in the season. But you just want to see him play good football and not shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, that's right. You know, the key to when you're a new team, you've got so many new players, hold the ball, get to your kick, kick to a corner, and then just go from there. You know, you don't need to do anything flashy. Uh, between AMS, Kamalafi, Pulfisi's got some good, good ball skills. Uh, Jonte and Jock, you know, they're sort of your returning players there. Um, and Terrell Williams, of course, too. Um, between those, there should be enough strike that you can put some points on the board. But, you know, with with, with, uh, with new combinations and everything, you've got to get that defence right first. Yep. Uh, moving on to the New South Wales Cup. This one is actually the curtain raiser on Friday night. Kickoff very early. So if you're at work, It'll be tough to get there. It's a free thirty p.m. To be you. Sorry, sucks to be oh, you. Oh, sucks to be you. Fair, fair enough. That yeah, is... no, uh, this is PVL speaking through my body at the moment. Free <laughs> thirty p.m. on a Friday night in the yeah. middle of Parramatta. Try and get parking. Yeah, free thirty p.m. And even worse, you want to watch the Reggies, right? Free thirty p.m. kickoff on oh, Friday. Oh. Yeah. So what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Have it at have it at Cabramatta. Have it for four games there. Like yeah. there's no point. Three thirty in the afternoon. How hot is it going to be? It's not going to be pleasant. So if you're like me and you sit in the uh, the opposite side to where they run out in the members, it's it's an absolute furnace. So you might want to go get into one of the other pockets where it's covered in shade and probably not going to be filled out given it's a three thirty p.m. Friday kickoff. Uh, but the Eels are hosting 
uh, the well, it's the Cronulla Sharks by way of the Newtown Jets and then the New South Wales Cup. Uh, Eels coming off that loss, as we discussed. The Jets are uh, getting off to a win with a pretty handy points differential of plus 20. We know that the Jets are always strong in this grade. They've got some good players, which I'll shout out in a second. But for the Eels, got some reinforcements to the back line, boys. Jordan Rankin will captain the team from fullback with Isaac Lumi Lumi dropping back to this grade of Sean Russell's return to the NRL. Spoiler alert. Uh, where he'll partner Hayes Dunster on the other wing, Bowie Simonson and Zach Sini named in the centres. Now, Dunster was named last week, didn't play. That's how he got uh, Mahinik playing. Uh, and Simonson was named in the NRL, didn't play. So hopefully after that, those false starts, they're, they're back proper. But uh, if they are, that means we can move on to the halves where Brendan Hands works with Jacob Arthur once again. Offie Ogden, Kai Rodwell, the props, Jaden Yates, dummy half. Tony Matelli, Luca Moretti on the edges, Dan Keir at lock forward. On the interchange, Mitch Rain, Tevita Taumapenu, Nico Apulu, Apelu, sorry, and Sam Loizu. And they're taking on a Jets team that features some guys you might recognize like Jacob Gargan, the young gun Kyle Iro, who's been a bit of a, a live wire in this grade and also on the NRL trials. Uh, you've got Jaden. Uh, Josh, Josh Mansour on one of their wings, I believe. Oh, he was named originally. Now they've got him as a, a pullout on the uh, New South Wales League. Oh, not, like, not a pullout, but you know when they have the, the blank yeah, player? Yeah, yeah, so he might he probably still will play, but it's that thing where they have the, the clerical error. Uh, they've got Charbel Tassapali, there's a, a former Parramatta over there, Billy Magulius. So uh, some some good players across the park there, and we know they just play tough in this grade. Um, and there's no no Lockie Turner at fullback this time. He carved us up last time his two oh. teams met <laughs> in the New South Wales Cup, and obviously he ended up being a class above the New South Wales Cup. Arthur playing for both the Sharks now starting for Newcastle Knights. Was it Magulius that put that chip kick in? Yeah, Magulius had the chip yeah. kick, yeah, where the guy was offside in the finals a couple of years back. Yeah, but it wasn't called. Uh, but, yeah, I keep saying that. This is going to be a tough game in very testing conditions, you'd have to think. If I look at the forecast on Friday, just Parramatta weather. It's going to be a stinker. Friday. It's been absolutely stinking all week. Friday, marginally better. Uh, maybe a top around 27 or you know thereabouts with a bit of cloud coverage which would be nice, but the problem is that at 3.30 p.m. it's going to be the peak of the sun beating down on the stadium. It's going to be in your eyes too, yuck. Yeah. Yep, yep, so yep. This is where I was going to say sucks to be me because I'm going to be missing most of this game because I'm going to be at work, um, but I might, I might be uh, fortunate to miss, this ga- to miss most of this game. <laughs> yes, indeed. And there goes the dog. Oh, that's, uh, is that, um, it's, oh, what's, oh, I've forgotten your dog's name. Uh, there's Rafa and Seymour. Seymour. Yeah, that is the big fella, Seymour. <laughs> so he's popping off because he's heard someone out the front, apparently. But that brings us to the main event, boys. Let's get into it and get Birdie back into this affair as well. NRL round two. Eels getting their second home game of the season, kicking off 6 o'clock p.m. at Combank Stadium uh, off the back of the loss. And the Sharks off the back of the loss too, so plenty to play for here. We'll quickly look at the Sharks. they got Will Kennedy at the fullback, Katoa and Mulatalo on the flanks, Ramian and Talakai. Rounding out a very chunky and explosive backline, the uh, ageless Matty Moyon partner Braden Trindle in the halves, Toby Rudolph and Braden Hamnuele are two parts of a very formidable front row pairing. Blake Braley at dummy half, Nakora Wilton and Finucane or Finucan on the wings on the interchange on the wings on <laughs> the edges and back row. Geez, I would love to see them on the wings actually. On the interchange, Cam McInnes is that uh, lock forward slash hooker utility. Royce Hunt, Oregon. Uh, Kafusi, is that how we pronounce it these days? Kafusi. Kafusi. Just make sure I get it right there. And Connor Tracy. Uh, so they did lose, uh, obviously, the co captain. 
to the judiciary. Uh, God, I'm having a brain fade. Wade Graham. And uh, they also lost uh, Jack, Williams. Jack Williams. But, geez, Royce Hunt and Connor Tracy are pretty handy set of replacements for that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, their extended roster, Thomas Hazelton, Mawini Harati, Brad, Max Bradbury, sorry, Jaden Barrell and Niwai Peru. Uh, very solid team, obviously missing their reigning Dalian player of the year and captain Nico Hines, but Braden Trindle's plenty dangerous on his own and they've got a very well-rounded team to support him there. Uh, got beaten by a very good South Sydney team in round one, so you can't underestimate them. And they got us last year in this corresponding fixture out at Shark Park. For the Eels now, boys, uh, only the one change for us, and that's probably to be expected. You're not going to make radical changes after a golden try or golden point loss. Uh, Quentin Gufferson is one of the captains at fullback. Mike Acevo and Sean Russell on the flanks. Russell obviously replacing Lumi Lumi as he comes back from that suspension. Pretty sold in for the Eels there. Centres unchanged. Will Penasini, Wonga Blake. Halves unchanged. Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. That all-star front row trio of Campbell Gillard, Barlow and Hodgson coming together once more. Bryce Cartwright reprising his role on the left edge. Matt Dory and Jermaine Hopgood rounding out the back row. On the interchange, uh, Jira Momosia or Jira Momosia. Jack Murchie, Wirimu Greg, Makhesi Makatoa, the reserves, Jake Arthur, Bowie Simonson, Ovihiki Ogden, Kai Rodwell, and Hayes Dunster. So, like I said, both teams coming to round two off a loss. Outside of a draw, one team will be 0-2. The hope will be that it's not the Parramatta Eels. For that to happen, boys, what needs to happen for the Blue and Gold? I'll start with you, Bertie. Oh, uh, look, I think a forward's got to once again lay the platform. You know, the, the Tigers, sorry, not Tigers. Why am I thinking of the Tigers? Jesus. <laughs> The Sharks, um, look, they've got a very solid forward pack. They don't got any, like, a pain horses, you know, or, like, representative, representative props or anything. They're very solid. So, and they're very hard working. So, they're going to they're gonna lay a platform for their halves. We just got to minimize them. And, yeah, look, the only, one, the only people that scare me are their wingers. They're, they, they're try-scoring freaks. They're going to average, you know, 15 to 20 tries per year each. And if you look back on um, last year, the difference was Nico Hines. You know, he had plenty of time. He had, it seems like he had an eternity every time he had the ball. He'd crab across field and he'd just wait for one one of our players to rush out of the line and he would just, you know, run at them. So without them, I feel as though um, they're a bit rudderless. You know, Matt Moylan, you know, he's like a journeyman. Trindle's okay, he's solid, but he's no Nico Hines. So, look, I feel as though we've got to, we've got to pressure their halves. We've got to literally get up, you know, get in their faces and... Yeah, because I feel as though they're gonna rely, they're gonna have to rely on their pretty much their back five for points, and um, yeah, and creativity. So other than that, the only one that really does scare me is Ronaldo. He's got that, he's got that mongrel in him where he can get the whole, um, get his whole team firing up, and with a, with a hit or with a, you know, um, like a sort of like a dirty hit or something. So if we can just, I feel as though we we only played them once last year. They got the upper hand. I feel as though um, the boys probably wouldn't have forgotten about it. I feel as though we'll. Um, We'll get the dub this week, and um, we'll pretty much rec- we'll right some wrongs from last week against the Storm. And I feel as though we'll, our halves, I feel as though Dylan Brown will bounce back this week. You know, he had two crucial errors, and I feel as though he's running. He'll run the whole time. He'll just keep running it. And yeah, I'm confident this week. But if I'm not confident in a big win, I'm just confident we'll get the dub. Get the dub. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where is this game going to be won and lost in your book? We need to. Makes CSF at Talakai make as many tackles as we can. I believe he plays right. Se- no, he's a left center, isn't he? Yes, because yeah. he, he gave Morgan Harper a bath down the left last year. Yeah, I've lost you there. Uh, I was just saying he, he destroyed Morgan Harper in that game while playing the left edge. Yeah, so um, you know this is where 
because there won't be they'll, they'll still be a little sharks do like to wrestle a little bit and they will get their hands on the ball but not as much as melbourne so this is where we need moses really isolate uh have Dury coming back in on the unders panasini running the option line there um get telecom making decisions because the more like, he made uh 200 metres, something like that, last week, Talakai. So um, you need to limit his impact with the ball. And by doing that, you need to make it so that he's making as many tackles as he can. Make him make 20 tackles in this game, 20, 25 tackles this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that way, if you limit him, you know, as Bertie said, the wingers, they, they can score tries from anywhere. Their wingers are sort of they'll, – they'll go the whole time. Same as their forward pack. Their forward pack's no nonsense. Get through their sets. Toby Rudolph, I like him as a player. Um, against no nonsense middle forward there, um, but I think we've got a bit more swagger about us this week with Sean Russell back. Um, I like the work that Sean was doing to ruck the ball out. That that's what we need. We need we really need our two, three, four, and five to step up this week, making sure they're making fifteen runs in this game, ten meters per carry. That's what they need to. That's what they need to do for us to win this week. And in terms of bounce back, boys. We're expecting Dylan, Mitch, and, and probably Guffo too to get back to their best in this one. I think so. I'm not. I'm not exp- look, I don't want all three to fire, but look, if Guffo has a quiet game, it's okay. But one of them has to like two. Sorry, two of them, two of the three have to be on, and they have to fire. We can't look. I feel as though this team we can have we can afford to have one of our spine one or maybe max two, if you want to include the hooker, to have an off game or a quiet game. But you can't have. Three out of the four, you know, you can't have, you know, Josh Hodgson, you know, he was he was the best performing out of all of them. So if Guffo has a quiet game, I, I need Dylan Brown to pull it, you know, to have his, you know, one of his best bounce back games and Moses obviously to be solid. So if if you give me two out of four, I'll be happy. I'll be I'll be I'll be um I, I, you know happy with it. All righty. Well, I mean, games against the Sharks are very straightforward like that. So it's kind of hard the preview, isn't it? Because that it is literally just. They're going to get you into a, a real tough battle through the middle and then look to expose you on the edges. Ham's already pointed out you want to try and reverse that onto Talakai and sort of take him out of the game by front-loading his defensive work. Uh, so in light of that, let's move on to our predictions. Uh, we've got a, a message in from the boss of who he's picking and what the scoreline is. So we'll start with him because he does tend to lead off these predictions. He's got the returning man for first try. He's backing Shawnee Russell to go in down that right edge. And he's got the Eels pipping the Sharks in a thriller. 24 to 22. So next up would be the famous Bertie. Look, um, I feel as though I'm confident in us winning, and I'm going to go. I went with a close result last week. I'm going to go 28 to 8. Oh, I like um, that. Yeah. I just feel as though we, we, we got more. Look, people want to say we're a trash team. We got more superstars than them, in my opinion. We got Reg. We got, you know, Junior Paulo. Paolo, sorry. We got more X Factors in our team. They've only got X Factors 1 to 5, in my opinion, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. So. I feel as though we've got more of the star players in this team, and uh, just a bit more brilliance, and we'll just be too good for them. We'll have we'll have every answer for them. Um, now, if Nico Hines was playing with a different story, it might be a closer game. But um, I'm going to go that 28-8. First try score. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Bryce Cartwright. You know, I said he had a quiet game last week, but statistically he didn't. I feel as though he's just going to be solid, and he's going to run off. Uh, he's going to run a nice line and. Him, you know, he's a bigger human being. He's not like a Kikau or Jeremiah Nanai, but he's no, you know, sla- he's no small. No, he's, he's a big athletic thing, yeah. Deceptively big, if that makes if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, 
But I'm going to go him first try scorer. And um, yeah, I feel as though Dylan Brown, he's not going to have a single error this week. I feel he's going to Ooh. bounce back. He's going to be clean. Clean bit of football from Dylan Brown. Uh, like like Hamish over the Eels, pipping the Sharks in a tight one, 20 to 18. My first try scorer, it's tough to pick here. Maybe a forward. Uh, maybe one of the middles. I might go Reg here, running off uh, Josh Hodgson for the early points. It, it's just, I, I love your conviction, Bertie. And I would love to see a big win over the Sharks. They're just one of those teams that are always hard to put away like that for the Parramatta Eels. Not like you can't beat them, just to put away by a good margin. But I would love to see that, and that's what I'm hoping for. And I'll let you take it home, Ham. Uh, leaving the worst to last, I see. <laughs> um, I think we're going to really work that right edge. Um, Hod- Hodgson really likes to play that left-to-right pass. We did have some nice shape on the left but early in the game, but I think we'll go right. Uh, I'm going to go... He had a he had a solid game last week in his return to the club, but he's going to break out this this week. He's going to score a double, and that's Matt Dury. But he's going to score the first one more importantly. Um, I nearly picked our score last week. I said us thirteen, so I was one point off that. So I should say seventy or something, because then we'll <laughs> score seventy one, judging by that logic. Um, but now I'm going to go Parramatta to score four tries, so twenty two missed goal. Uh, to the Cronulla's eight. Well, I'll take that margin too. I'll be very happy with that. So, I mean, any win's a good win against a team like the Sharks, but in particular, we're getting double-digit points of uh, differential. So, either yours or Bertie's margins would be a very, very good way to start the weekend for mine. Let's hope it happens, boys. Let's hope we get there and hope we get our first win of the season in front. I want to. I want to hope it's a, a good crowd, but God, six o'clock p.m. on a Friday yeah. night. Good luck. I'll, I'll, if there's 15,000 there. That's where I was putting the, the margin at. If you get 15K, that's a terrific turnout at 6 o'clock. Yeah. So, um, for those that do get out there, myself and Sixies will be rambling on in the post-game show at the Leagues Club, uh, hopefully off the back of a win. But, God, it's uh, the 6 o'clock games just suck, don't they? Uh, I yeah, love – obviously, they're great for TV uh, ratings and whatnot. Uh, but as a fan that wants to get out to the games, if you're working a 9 to 5, or not even, if you're just working any time in the afternoon – it is just brutal to try and get out through the Parramatta traffic. Find a car park. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just lucky I work sort of 20 minutes down the road. So, so ham, ham set up for success when it comes to the footy. That's good to hear. Yeah, uh, and I'm 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 knock on oh, no, no I'm not knocking off work early just in case my employer is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Ham? Uh, you sound a bit sick. Is that a flu coming along? <coughs> oh, I, I wish. They know I'm a Parramatta supporter. So if I took a of work, uh, I'd be getting my ass kicked. <laughs> uh, you have to go to a vetted doctor to get the uh, doctor's certificate. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and on that uh, rather amusing note, let's wrap it up, boys, and catch you guys in the next episode. See you later. Go, Parra. Hey, it's going